Hello and welcome to another edition of Thoughts from Player One, the podcast where we take an in-depth look at one story or narrative-focused game and give our thoughts about it. As always, I'm Alex. I'm Duncan. And this week, I am very proud to present our first episode of First and Final Fantasy VII Remake, where we will be talking about chapters 1 through 7 from the Final Fantasy Remake, which just recently came out on April 10th of 2020. Um, It is out on the PS4, developed by Square Enix, and it is about $60 right now. Uh, and that is is very exciting to me. Um, the title obviously implies uh, it is Duncan's first time really playing through Final Fantasy VII, and it is not my first time playing through Final Fantasy VII. Well, it's so your final time. It is probably my final time. Once you finish know. this, I you will say die that for sure, though. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so I, I'm very excited to kind of delve into the differences of how we view different things with me having played it and you not having played it before. Um, so I, I kind of want to get into it at the beginning here with talking about our history with um, not just this game, but also the Final Fantasy series as a whole um, to kind of give some context at, at kind of where we're coming from and our, our views coming into this specific game. So Duncan, how like have you played previous Final Fantasy games? Have you ever, you know, how much of seven did you play or sure, know about sure, or sure. anything like that? Uh, I played the first mission, which was thrilling, absolutely thrilling. I rented it from the uh, from my old video store quite a couple times. Oh, popped nice. that Love popped it. that bad boy in. Played the intro. I'm like, this is so much fun. It's amazing. And then uh, I got to the town, the slums, and um, I just kind of fell off. And I just <laughs> I didn't know what to do all the time, and I was very confused. And I just turned it off. Um, <laughs> So that Beautiful. was my history Beautiful. with seven. I've I've tried to revisit it a couple of times because people are like, it's a really good game. And, you know, I've I've gotten in past as far as like uh, the um, uh, basically where we are now, actually. Um, yeah. I fought so. the Airbuster, I think, was the last thing I did in um, when I played it like as an adult. Uh, and then I kind of just fell off of it again uh, with other Final Fantasy games, though. Um, not a whole lot. I played the MMO a bit and i played 14, not 11 right yeah 14 and i played gotcha. the um uh i played a little bit of 10 but didn't really enjoy it that much so not i i think i actually played three the most i think wow. i no six 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 okay for the okay. for the snes that one i played a lot of on an emulator on my phone and then the the inputs got too hard to punch in so i stopped playing it (laughs) (laughs) that's that's fair so you're really coming at this you know not like totally divorced but very much not having a lot of knowledge about the series in general absolutely not no interesting okay um so yeah we're definitely coming at that from different places because i have played a little bit of one and i'm using strictly the north american numbers here not the japanese numbers because i played all the north american releases a little bit of one a little bit of two a decent amount of three. I beat four, five, six, seven, eight, and nine. And Jesus I Christ. almost beat ten. Uh, and I played a decent amount of twelve and some of ten too, and a little very little bit of fourteen. Um, but haven't touched thirteen or fifteen at Dude, all. Dude, I but didn't yeah, know I, you were such a fantasy head. I, <laughs> there was like, you know, one or two summers there in high school where like, you know, most of those were out for the Game Boy Advance, so I just burned through a lot of them for Game Boy Advance. And then growing up, like, you know, 7, 8, 9, and 10 were, you know, released from the time I was, like, 5 to 13 or whatever. So it was prime video game play in time, so I had plenty of time to burn through those. So, yeah, yeah. that was, um, I have, I've played a lot of the series, as it turns out. 
Dude, this is going to be a really reductive, dumb question, but why? <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> why? Why? What's your attraction to the series? You, when I, I was say, a kid, you're not the first person to ask me, like, why do you like Final Fantasy? And I always have a kind of a hard time defending it. Um, I'm not saying it's a bad game. I'm no. just kind of curious because, like, when I was younger, that kind of stuff just didn't. I'm like, ew, there's so much text, and like, I'd rather jump as Mario, you know what I mean? Like, I have no interest so, in reading this. I think that probably comes down to a couple of things. That, I mean, A, it partially comes down to, like, I was, you know, I read a lot as a kid. I was very interested in reading, and I was very interested in games. So text-heavy games, you know, they worked well. Like, they fit inside of that, like, narrow niche of, of <laughs> I say narrow niche, reading and video games is not really, like, <laughs> narrow niche. Uh, they fit inside that, like, you know, the combination of those two things. And also, I you know... I grew up in a household where my brother liked to play them, and so that kind of, like, pushed me towards them a little bit, and then I just generally, like, I like that type of, you know, slower-paced strategy game where things ramped up slowly over time, where you got, like, you know, I liked the numbers going up and finding different secrets and hidden bosses, like, all that sort of stuff is, you know, to this day, some of my favorite parts of playing games, so I think... It just like you know, it hit it hit all the marks for me, and I think them all not like having any sort of a continuous storyline or a consistent universe, but having like elements that are the same always kind of like was fun for me. So I don't know, I, I liked them a whole lot as a kid, um, and I still do. You know, I I didn't play thirteen or fifteen, but that was largely because I heard they were both pretty bad, and I don't want to dedicate that much time to games that aren't good. Is that the one with lightning? I think thirteen was, yeah. I want to say it was. I played a little bit of that one too, and just just couldn't couldn't get into it. Um, I, I heard it's good if you give it like somewhere between twenty or thirty hours, and that's kind of about God. the point where I say, no, actually, no, you. I'm good though. <laughs> yeah, um, give me the story summary. Uh, so, <laughs> so I, I do think you start mentioning like your brother liked them, and then you kind of adopted them too. I think that's something because like uh, I feel like I matured in certain like pieces of media like my sister really liked music like mm-hmm. huge big into like different types of genres that you know typically adults would like and i jumped on that so fast because my older sister liked it so yeah. i think it's kind of interesting where i i don't know it, to me playing final fantasy didn't seem like that age range but maybe it is so i don't know i just, yeah, I just had and- that thought I, I think so. And I so Final Fantasy VII was kind of the first one that I actually played and put time into. Okay. Um, and I wanted to talk a little bit about, like, my personal experience with it real quick. I don't want to spend too long on it because I don't think it's the most interesting part of the podcast, but I think it will inform a lot of where I'm coming from. Um, so I played Final Fantasy VII around the time I was, um, you know, it took me a long time to beat, and I came back to it throughout the years, like, getting slightly further. So it was between, like, seven and nine years old, but I started it when I was about seven years old. Um very slow progress on it but i i do kind of credit my association or like my strong connection with it to two things because in, up until probably my senior year of high school i would have cited it as my favorite video game of all time um and i think one uh it had to do a lot with the fact that it was so text heavy right like as a child i liked to read a lot i was you know place you know hey you've got good reading comprehension skills you're going to take the more complicated english classes which fell off quickly as i got older because i wasn't reading as much as i used to um but part of you know the main reason that i had good reading comprehension skills and was able to read was because i was raised in a house where that was seen as very important from all members of my family um but another part of that was because uh, by the time i was seven years old i was trying to play games like final fantasy 7 so i had to like 
have more reading comprehension skills to understand even the broad strokes of the story. And even at that point, a lot of it went over my head because I was a fucking child and it is a game about eco-terrorism to start. So, you know, that did not really um, connect with me so much. Um, but the other part is like, it's. I, I was thinking back on this today. I was like, okay, why do I have so much nostalgia for this? And like, why do I have such emotional reactions to like parts of this game that shouldn't be emotionally responsive? And part of it is definitely like, you know, I was a kid. It was my favorite game, all that. Also, like, you know, I played it around 1999, which was an incredibly pivotal, pivotal year in my life because that is the year that like, you know, obviously a lot of things happened. But first and foremost, like, that's the year that my dad passed away. And that was in the midst of me playing this game. And so a lot of my memories of this game, both before and after that event, are intrinsically tied to it. Um, I so I can't physically separate the nostalgia I have from like for this game from just like that time period in my life and the ups and downs of that period and the like heavy heavy escapism that this game frequently provided me at that time so like you know I wasn't coming into this game being like I will forgive everything because of that period of my life and my connection to the game but also when I sat down today and I was like I should unpack this before I get on mic about it I spent like 10 minutes just really thinking about it and going whoa there's a lot more to unpack there that I'm qualified or ready to do right now. Well, I mean, tools of escapism when you're going through trauma are like super important to you and you like you really hold on to that kind of stuff. But I think because this game is so new and like mm-hmm. the, you know, from the mechanics all the way to the, you know, story actually from what I've heard, it, it, I feel like you're like this game is so good because of that, like, or like, you know, you, your, your connection to it. I don't think, I don't feel like it can be too heavily influenced by nostalgia. I feel like it can quite a bit, but mm. because of the freshness of it in a way, I think that the story beats probably do, but the overall game and like those individual scenes probably don't affect Not- it that strongly. So I wouldn't be too worried about it. But, you know, it's definitely something to think about. And I want to be clear. I came into this game, like, fully ready to completely dunk on it, thinking this is probably going to be a very bad remake. Because how do you remake a 20-year-old game that is this, like, loved? You know, Final Fantasy VII is, like, completely by i would say by far the most like famous of the final fantasies it was the one that like really and truly like catapulted square enix in the era that we currently live in like it was you know it was a huge game sephiroth is one of the most famous video game villains of all time and he's only in this game right so like it's it's very much like hey he's also in kingdom hearts i don't want to i don't want (laughs) to shoot the kingdom hearts games there's people that know him from that and that's fine um but you know I did not think they would be able to do that, um, which I guess is transition to say, like, before we get into the actual story of the game, I think they fucking did it. I, and, you know, I'm, we're eight chapters in, we're going to cover chapters one through eight today, or one through seven today, um, including seven, uh, and nothing past that, so you don't have to worry about that, you know, it's not going to be spoilers for anything past that right now, Um, but I am absolutely loving this game so far. Yeah, I mean, overall... Uh, coming from a new place here, I'm also enjoying it quite well. And I, I expected, like, when you were mentioning this, you're like, I think we should really play this remake, and it might be, you know, it might be bad, might be good. It'll just be fun, and, you know, we can kind of capitalize on something that's a little bit popular. But I'm enjoying this way more than I thought I would. Like, 
I stepped into it and I was this first mission. The first mission that you jump into is like, it's so captivating and it does such a good job of holding your uh, attention. And I'll say like, to its benefit, it it did that when I was a kid too. Like mm-hmm. the beginning, it just didn't completely land. But like, I loved that beginning part of the game. Like I really enjoyed playing it. Um, so that's the only nostalgia I have for it. But yeah, I, I've been enjoying it quite a lot too. Good. Um, I'm excited to talk about some of these different mechanics and everything like that. Do you think we should start by just kind of going through maybe the first couple of chapters and weaving the idea into like this discussion where they come up? Before that, before we get into that, I want to talk about the game mechanically because I I think that we'll get into mechanics as we talk about like, you know, different boss fights and stuff like that. But just mm-hmm. overall, the whole dang thing, because um, I find it kind of interesting because, you know, the reason that I was drawn into this was more like I've heard that this story is like it's pretty good. And, you know, it's one of the better of all the Final Fantasies and I'd like to experience it. Um, but, you know, some of my the other people have talked to about it or like, you know, friends have asked me like, well, what? How's the combat? Because I don't really, you know, the turn-based thing doesn't really appeal to me. And from mm. what I've seen, like, the hack and slash stuff is kind of cool. Is you know, kind of uh, the conversation I had earlier. Um, and I think it's interesting to just be like, yeah, actually, it's completely different. Because I think with a lot of traditional remakes, they're like, okay, we need to capture exactly how it felt to play this mm-hmm. on the old PS1. And I think that there's something interesting to be said of like, is the turn-based combat what they envisioned or what they compromised for? And now that you have the ability to kind of do whatever you want in a certain scale that we still have to apply to, like, is this what they envisioned or is this what they sort of like mobilized into? Um, mm-hmm. I personally really, I love that you have the choice to do it because I'm sure there are some people who want to play it the classic way, but, you Mm -hmm. know, playing it with a hack and slash and, you know, pausing time to sort of look through your options and your abilities, like, it's a ton of fun and it is a very, it's not complex in a way that's like, oh my God, this is going to take me a while to learn, but it's complex enough where I'm like, I feel like I can play around with the strategies and nothing is so bad or so good that it's the only thing I'll ever do or never do, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, totally. I think they they do a good job of walking that line between like, hey, you know, enjoy these different options of how you can approach combat, enjoy like getting better mechanically at like linking together combos and recognizing when you should block and roll out of the way of damage, um, but also still allowing you to kind of like, you know, get punished if you're playing poorly um yeah. you know I, I i think both of us are probably playing on the normal difficulty there is an easy and a classic difficulty um i don't i haven't touched any of them i've heard that the easy difficulty is maybe a bit too trivial but i don't i don't know that it doesn't really bother me either way um but i think they've done a, a really good job of walking that line that i did not anticipate them being able to do um when i first saw the combat you know they they gave an e3 demo i think two or three years ago showing that like scorpion boss fight at the um kind of close to the end of chapter one and uh it looked really cool at the time and i liked all of the different mechanics they showed but my initial thought was like hey that looks cool i think that'll probably get boring after like two or three hours because it's the same animation the boss fights are a little long you're like rolling and blocking but it didn't look that good um but actually getting my hands on it i am surprised at the degree to which i am 
continually enthralled by the combat in the degree to which I can feel myself getting better and worse and feel the different strategies I'm trying, like, have actual impact on the way that the combat is playing out that is, like, very clear and easy to see. Um, and, like, I think that that is a very impressive feat to be able to to do that without it feeling like, oh, no, if I accidentally make this choice and then build down this path for five hours, I'm fucked. Like, that, that is not a feeling that I've had at all throughout the course of the game. Yeah. Um, and, like, the various, like, materia and equipment management, I think it's, like, it's just, it just feels like it works. Like, I don't feel like I'm being, like, if I choose to use a certain weapon, like, I can't go back and use a different one with a different ability. And, like, it's just... It just works really, really well. And um, this isn't, you know, this is not a uh, mechanical podcast for, you know, talking about gameplay mechanics. So I'm just going to say, like, trust us, it works really fucking well because, <laughs> yeah. you know, we focus more on narrative stuff. But, like, it, I was pretty shocked by, like, how engaged I was with the combat. And I think that's really important when that's, like, you know, 60 to 70 percent of your game is just, like, running from place to place getting in a new encounter and then having to fight the same kind of stuff over and over yeah, again. And I absolutely. think it's a really tough feat to achieve. And I'm, I'm very happy with it. And it's, I think it is something that made me believe that this is a passion project. Like, like not uh, obviously, you know, games are inherently <laughs> made to make money. Like that's, mm -hmm. they did that. Cause they're like, damn, people are really nostalgic about this game. We are going to sell a lot of copies, but I, I, I think that, underneath all of that i think this is truly like we want to make this good I, I i just feel it with this game and i'm not sure if i feel that because i i i you know hear people who liked the game are enjoying it or i'm feeling it because it actually happened mm -hmm. um but uh, it's the first triple a game that i've played in a while that i do feel like quite a lot of love went into it and to note i don't play a lot of triple a games now and that's not to say like oh i'm cool and indie i don't play anything <laughs> it's just not they're just not games i buy very often so yeah, that's what, not you dunking on every triple a game that's come out in the last two years that's just right. your you know experience with the limited number you've played yeah do you um, think do you think that went in there or are you am i just kind of like seeing that because of the i mean I, I, I definitely i definitely feel that way uh, a little bit i think that the the people who were on this were very passionate about what they were doing about um and like passionate about the way that they were remaking this and i think to some degree like it's hard it's kind of hard not to be like it's hard not to be somebody who was brought in to be very passionate about this project because like and i don't want to like oversell it in any way shape or form but final fantasy 7 like people have been asking for a remake of this game for 10 years right it is like like when you think of Square Enix, you typically think of this game. Like it's, remaking this is one of the biggest. Like I, I would say this is probably the highest profile remake of any video game in maybe games history. I don't know. I could be totally wrong about that, but I can't think of any that like garnered as much attention. Right, like the intro cutscene where Cloud jumps off the train was like used as a like tech demo for the ps3 to show what it can do like this they very very much knew that they were building up to something big here so it, i think even if you didn't come into the project being intensely passionate about it i think it would be hard not to let that like fervor and excitement about doing something so big kind of draw that out of you god um, i'd love a documentary on like the history of this game and like the production oh, yeah. that went through and i think this is such a great Excuse me, example. And we'll get into the game soon, I promise. But there's just a lot, <laughs> a lot to unpack here. Um, 
of like how games are remade because we're I think as a lot of people know we're in the era of a lot of remakes and a lot of people doing the same thing over and over again like you know all of the Disney film adaptations, adaptations, (laughs) adaptations, and um, some other game stuff I feel like is is being remade, but I can't think of too many. Yeah, I mean, Resident Evil 2 just recently came out, Shadow of the Colossus got a pretty big remake recently, like, you know, big, big games that were already very popular are are getting remade. I I should say also Resident Evil 3 and newly announced Resident Evil 4, because they're just, they're just going for it over there at Capcom. Um, Yeah. But Uh, yeah, all these remakes, though, it's like, it's just in, it's just really nice and refreshing to see one take the game and be like, let's just keep what we know people will love about it and change everything else that we possibly can. And, you know, maybe yeah. that'll change. Maybe people will be upset with a scene or two, but at least they went for it and they weren't afraid. That's what I Absolutely. love about this is it feels like they weren't afraid to just go for it. Not to spoil too much, but they're fucking they're, they're dementors now. I heard there was no Dementors before, <laughs> were, and I'm like, were no Dementors damn, before. you guys going for it, though. Like, you're no, really going for it, so I'm sure you can talk more about that, but it's very, um, it's very, it just feels nice. I'm just happy. Yeah, I, I respect the hell out of the fact that they said, hey, we're not going to, like, you know, just remake this shot for shot or whatever. We're going to, like, actually sit down and do, like, justice to this, and we are going to change it, and, you know, for better or worse, right, like... This is, I've heard, you know, anywhere ranging from 28 hours to 45 hours to beat this game, right? And it only covers, um, like, the Midgar section of Final Fantasy VII, the original one. So it covers in that 40 hours, like, the first six hours of the original Final Fantasy VII. So there's definitely going to be probably some people that are upset that they're going to have to wait a long time for, you know, the next one of these to get to maybe the part of the game that they really liked or whatever. I get that. Um, But, I mean, you know... So far in the 10 hours or so that I have played, like, Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse, the three other Avalanche members, are, like, like very important characters with fleshed-out personalities, largely. One of them, maybe their personality is just I'm fat and hungry, and that one's not so great so much, but, like, <laughs> they have much, much more fleshed-out personalities and backstories and, like, reasons for what they're doing and interactions with you. When, like, in the original Final Fantasy VII, you talk to those characters, yeah, but, like... Not that much. So it's really interesting to see them, like, really lean into this idea of, like, hey, let's take these small things and blow them up into these, like, large characters or large scenes. Or let's, you know, whole cloth invent new characters or scenes that we think are cool and fit into the the, the world of the game. And I think um, going forward in that way, like you said, it's, just, it's, it's refreshing to see them not be so chained down by their past when it would be so easy to be chained down by the past of this game. Yeah. Um, we got to get into this game. It's been a yeah, while. Let's, let's, uh, let's, talk, let's about talk about it. it. So, again, we're not really going to, um, you know, go shot for shot for you or scene for scene. We're going to assume that you have either, you know, played it or you're okay with us just kind of talking about stuff um, yeah. loosely. And, again, only up to the beginning of Chapter 8. So, if you are only part of the way through, you don't need to duck out now. You just need to make sure you've played it up to that point. Um, for us to talk about it, but we'll just kind of talk about the the chapters and chunks and our thoughts along the way. Cool. Um, I think it's important that we begin with just talking about this intro sequence and how high energy it was and how they were like, okay, we got to make sure that we match the energy coming into this. It like, you know, definitely pump it up because it definitely did feel like after you leave chapter one or two or whatever, that it's like, okay, 
this is a video game though with a budget <laughs> so we can't you know what i mean and you, you hit that wall pretty hard in chapter three where you're like oh okay gotcha we'll take a step back now i get you yeah um how how did you feel playing this from 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 the original seven to this how walk I, me through your feelings I was fucking, like, I didn't play, the, they put a demo out before this game came out, which I think was largely, like, the beginning of Chapter 1. I, I don't know if it was all the way through the end of Chapter 1 or not, Um, I, I don't remember, but I'm like, man, I'm fucking in it from the get-go. Like, the music goes up, like, swells up, and they've got that, like, wide sky shot of Midgar and the eight different reactors, and I was, like, immediately sold because I'm a fucking sucker for it because of all the reasons listed above. But I think they did such a good job of like just pushing you forward through the, like this whole chapter one sequence from the beginning, um, like hopping off the train up through the actual bombing of the reactor. Uh, and it just like, like you said, it just, it goes really hard and there's a lot of tutorialization along the way, but none of it felt like it got in the way at all like it all felt really cleanly put in like hey here's this concept okay you probably get it it's a simple concept let's put it into execution let's move on to the next one and like everything sort of ramped up towards that fight that you knew was coming and it just it it grabbed me and it dragged me along for the entirety of that scene and i was unwilling to stop for even a minute yeah, JRPGs have typically have terrible mechanical pacing. Like yep. where they're just like it's either here's everything or here's nothing. Um and this was like a really nice bounce where like here's the attack button, here's the dodge button, here's the roll button. That's all you need to know for now and we'll get more into the heavy shit later. And then you just do it and then you can fight the bosses together and like, you know, here's the command system to make your life good. Um and it it just worked really well. Um, it, it it flowed really really well. How did you feel? To speak, this is, yeah, go ahead. Uh, this is my my question because this is the intro. This is like the very first you get of these characters. How do you feel about the voice acting in this game? I'm really I'm really curious because that was kind of like chapters one and two. That was the biggest thing that like the biggest hurdle for me was like I don't know how I feel about the voice acting in this game, and I like considered switching to the Japanese versus the English. But I don't know if that's maybe just me because it's like hard to reconcile all that, or if the voice acting is actually felt a little off at the beginning. It's definitely something that a lot of people, uh, and this is kind of like a commonly known thing, when you read something or like, you know, it doesn't have a voice actor, everyone has a voice for that person in their head. And I know you have a voice for Cloud in your head, probably. Like, you don't, but you kind of do in a way. Yeah. Um, And I think for me, it didn't matter. That became Cloud. That voice, that English voice actor, that's him. I have no mm-hmm. other notions of him in my head. Um, I think that the quality of the voice acting uh is ranges from like pretty good to i think is perfectly fine but that's because that is that character to me and i think you and i might have different versions of cloud or barrett or tifa along the way um throughout the game and like my views is just my views are just based on this and i think that's like the voice acting is kind of running along the same thing so i think um to me, it's perfectly acceptable, especially for an RPG that has like, you know, like you said, like 30 plus hours of game and it's fully voice acted, which is like yeah, crazy. It's like really, really insane to me. So, I mean, they definitely have to nail it with the intro, but I think they did. Like, I think my favorite thing where I'm like, this is cheesy, but good is some of the banter. Like, I just, I like that they just, they did it. 
and you know they didn't just do action phrases or like plot stuff like they make sure that throughout all of the scenes these characters are talking to each other may not always be realistic but it is entertaining um, <laughs> so uh, my vision isn't like i'm like attached to these characters already it's just very like <laughs> they're doing funny quips at each other uh yeah. so yeah. In a way that I, I do think that the the banter between the characters works. Like I think Cloud being totally disaffected from everything that's going on um, and just wanting his paycheck. Like you know, I think it, it it works in different levels. But I do think that generally, at least through this intro, I was enjoying it quite a bit. And there's a really good tension between Barrett and Cloud with like you know somebody who is literally just here for the money versus somebody who is literally here because they think it's the only way to save the planet. Um, I think they they do a good job, kind of playing off of that um barrett's voice is a problem but there's going to be like a thousand different pieces to come out talking about that in much better ways than we yeah. ever will so i'm not even going to try to get into that we're two we're two white dudes we don't have any we, that's we not don't our have space any, yeah we, we don't have space in that so just know that we don't we're not like yeah Bar- barrett's fine what's wrong with barrett what's <laughs> but you know <laughs> if you think it's fine it's fine whatever we're not touching it but yeah. i actually i like his character though I like his him character as a character good. quite a lot. Uh, the voice actor is just, it's, it's weird, but anyways. It's, it's a weird direction, but I, Barrett is, um, and I don't think, again, I played this game predominantly when I was seven, right? Chapter one <laughs> sets up the stakes very clearly that, like, you are eco-terrorists doing what you think is right to save the planet versus this horrifying capitalist hellscape that is literally draining the life of the planet for energy. Um I didn't like I don't think the stakes were clear in my mind when I initially played this game, but I think they do a really good job with Barrett's character of having him like switch between kind of like quips and just like literally hardcore like far revolutionary violence is going to be necessary to accomplish our goals, but the ends have to justify the means here. Um, and I think that is um, a space that you don't frequently see played in that well in games. And I, I really appreciate them leaning into that all the way in this one. Yeah, my favorite my favorite thing is like it's got sort of a um you're rooting for them but you're like not 100% sure if what they're doing is right. And I really like that kind of angle where it's like you're like, "Yes, this is this is right, but also like they're eco terrorists. Terrorists is in the name." Like, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's very like, I don't know, it's it's fascinating because a lot of steps in the 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 scene I it seems that play out throughout you know mostly the later in chapter three um Mm -hmm. where different characters have different perspectives as like what is necessary and what should be done and what should not be done and i really love that angle uh when we kind of talk about the message behind all of this um yeah i like that uh, quite a lot i agree i think they do they do a really good job so let's talk about continuing on just like you know any other parts of chapter one but i think largely we can talk about chapters one through three here which is again the beginning of the game up through the bombing of mako reactor one i think it's reactor one i should have double checked that how about that Um, twist though how about that so that twist at the end of one that that shinra twist that was new to this game not nice. in the original final fantasy 7 nice. um but yeah at the end of chapter one you know you, your bomb goes off to blow up the mako reactor and like very clearly the bomb goes off it blows up the portion of the reactor it was supposed to it disables the reactor that's it um but then you get a, a good scene of the president of shinra kind of giving the order and a bunch of like robots that are super powered jump out and just blow the fuck out of the reactor from the inside like literally tearing themselves apart blowing it up which causes this you know massive explosion that 
the members of Avalanche, the the eco terrorist group, did not foresee or plan for. Uh, and I think you know I, I'm sure there will be people coming to it with different angles in terms of how they feel about it. But I really like that kind of twist. I like the way that they changed what happened and like why it happened partially just because i think it's more interesting narratively because i don't think they're going to deal with the the trauma that they could potentially face that well early on um but i i really like that change combined with the expansion of this chapter two when you're in the city and just seeing like you know the people on the streets who are hurt and the people who are worried about their homes or their loved ones like they they really, really lean into the idea of like, hey, what happened here has an impact to the people who live here. Right. Um, and the characters who, you know, carried out this mission are going to carry the weight of thinking they are the ones that did that, even though they're not actually the ones that did that. Um, right. And I, in I the liked coming, it quite a bit. The coming chapter is the explosive, uh, the explosives um, character that that planted them jesse she's kind of like no i know i said it right i know i had the right explosives and like the whole time you want to shake her be like no you did everything right you're (laughs) perfect but you know uh it's not Uh, i i i think that that was really important because obviously avalanche is fucking evil like it's so clear to me now like shinra shinra whoops fuck avalanche (laughs) is the other one yeah my bad shinra is is fucking evil and like you could probably draw that from the beginning of seven but it's like how deep does it go like and then telling me like dude this is corporate president level evil shit and it's like oh man this is gonna be so this is gonna be a good story like i think including that really helps me uh comprehend it and then like additionally adding that you know scene you were talking about where you're seeing actual people's lives be ruined it it really helps me understand what's coming up of what made the game so special if that makes sense like just telling me yeah. a little bit being like hey this is what's coming up um it and helps it, a lot. It, it seems like they are really going to and and we see a little bit of this um later on in what we've played and i'm assuming we'll probably see more of this um as as we continue the game but they really are leaning into that like hey, there's a public image problem with Avalanche and Shinra is going to capitalize on it and they are going to slander them and they are willing to, like, take the hits in order to make Avalanche look worse and get the public against them. Uh, And I think that is... uh, I'm very curious to see how they play with that going forward because it's... It was probably in the original one a little bit, but it was definitely not, um, like, a focal point. And I think they're really leaning into that in a way that is very intriguing to me. For sure. Oh, Oh, my God, Alex. Oh... Watch out for that wall! Oh my god, we hit the wall! Oh, oh my god. Are you okay? I'm good. Are you okay? Yeah. Oh my god. I'm okay. We, we just hit the game wall. It, it just became a video <laughs> game. Oh my god. <sighs> I'm okay. I hope you're okay. I'm good. I'm oh, good. Wait. I was ready for it. Wait, look back there. Wait, before we hit the game wall, it, is that is that Sephiroth? <laughs> is, that, is that fucking Sephiroth in a flashback? Yeah. What's up with that, bud? So we should mention the two major things that happen in Chapter 2 is, one, Sephiroth is there, um, and it's kind of unclear whether or not he's actually there or if Cloud is just kind of mentally losing it and he, seeing him. If he's actually there, I, I'm not in support of these scenes then because it's really goofy. It has it, to be in his head. It seems like it is to me, yeah. It, it's not 100% clear, but it does seem like it is, um, which, again, I should mention... These scenes also 
whole cloth new. Sephiroth did not make a physical appearance this early on in the original Final Fantasy VII. Um, you bear, you've basically heard his name, and that's about it. Um, which I think is kind of interesting. Also, we should mention that there. <laughs> well, we should mention first off, there's a really good cutscene where Se- uh, Cloud tries to attack Sephiroth and like whacks his big ass sword against a window that he's standing yeah. in. And yeah. I love that a lot. <laughs> that was really important for me. <laughs> that was, that like, was at great. least they address it a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's a very ineffective also, weapon. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense, and he's so small. Um, this is also we we briefly meet Aerith here. Um, and that is where the introduction of these invisible Dementors comes in. And, like, literally, they look like Harry Potter-ass Dementors. They are, like, black cloaks that are kind of flying in the wind that don't appear to have, like, bodies or faces associated with them. I don't, I don't, I don't know what those are all about. Okay, <laughs> I don't so I was going to ask, like, you knowing the story beats of what's coming, do you understand that? Or is this some, like, weird Kingdom Hearts shit? This, it feels like some weird Kingdom Hearts shit. They might tie it together. You know, I have some ideas about what it potentially could be, but it's not okay. like, oh, yeah, this is clearly just X that happens, you know, 15 hours into the game instead of okay. not, like, no, this is just, this is new. Okay, well, well this new. wall, we have to go through this wall here. Let's get into this wall. Let's get into the Chapter 3 Home Sweet Slum wall. God, um, Home Sweet Slum is a good God, title. God, there's so much to talk about, though, because there's a very good scene in Chapter 2 when you're on the train and Barrett confronts middle managers of Shinra who are saying that, like, revolutionary violence isn't the way <laughs> and we're going to work together peacefully with all of our friends because that's how real change is made and that's the Shinra creed. And then a bunch of other fucking buttoned-up middle managers literally start clapping for them on the train. <laughs> and it's so fucking good. <laughs> See, did that really add anything, though? No, but I love it so much, Duncan. It's it was really it good. was amongst my favorite scenes in the first three chapters. Shinra middle managers are really important. They come up a lot. There's two separate train scenes where they come up. Um, mm-hmm. They and... don't have names either. Their subtitle is literally Shinra middle manager, <laughs> just pretty good. Okay, let's get through this wall let's, here. Let's get um, into chapter three. Let's get so... into the um, the game of it. This this is where it becomes a game, and I had to step back and go, okay. I knew it had to come to this. Of course. Of course it had to come to this. You get, you you know, U.S. Cloud come to the bar, 7th Heaven? Yep, got it. Yes! Um, and there, Tifa is the person that you're taking payment from. She's like, not, don't have it all, though. My bad. <laughs> My B. Which, I love this thread. I love this, like... Hey, we're going to hire this mercenary for more money that we don't have, and then we're just going to string him along until he <laughs> sees how fucked up Shinra is. I love that so much. It makes me, like, I just like that idea. That's, that, that's cool. Anyways, um, so you get an apartment, and, you know, you got to wake up tomorrow morning and help Tifa sort of go around the town and you know, do odd jobs and make some money and socialize and, you know, get your equipment ready for the next mission, kind of stuff like that. Um, what? Yeah, it's it's a lot of tutorialization and a lot of literally do as many side quests as you feel like doing here. Super um, important. If you haven't played this yet, make sure you do all of them to get that special Tifa scene. That's true. That's Got true. It. And it is, it's only like five side quests, so it's not that hard to do, except for there is one where you literally run around town looking for cats because it's a fucking JRPG. So, of course, you do. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, once you hit this, what 
obviously you had the same things that of being like, okay, we're playing the game now, but how did you feel about the core game of this, of the, you know, the typical quest retrieve? How did this compare to the regular game sort of filler content? It was interesting um, because it's so very clearly set up for side quests, right? And I think that is partially just due to the way the combat works now, but there are like, you know, literal gated areas you walk to that are very clearly combat arenas that you run around. Um, and I think that all, it felt a little weird. Um, I think what drew me through the section, like, I didn't mind the idea that, like, okay, we're in the game now, we're going to be doing side quests. Um, I think, you know, partially what drew me through drew me through was that I, I just like the combat. Um, but I really think they do they do an interesting job of creating a, a sense of place for these Sector 7 slums. Um, like the different characters that you meet throughout, the different like ways that they interact, the different ways that they see Cloud and you know have different opinions about Shinra. Like I think that kept me pretty interested to kind of see how those things would change over it's time. It's world building for sure. Yeah, it's it's world building, but I think they do a they do a pretty good job with it. I think the like conversations you know you'll just run by and literally conversations will pop up every time you walk next to somebody which can be a little overwhelming and also they restart a lot so you just get a lot of the same conversation snippets over and over um i don't think that stuff is always good but i think like existing in that space felt kind of good like it it was very clearly narrow hallways but it was there were enough of them that were interconnected that it didn't feel that bad. But in terms of just like, okay, now we're into there, there was a significant slowdown in my, like, you know, drive to continue playing the game. I played pretty much this whole thing in one chunk, which I think was helpful. Um, but it, you know, the pace cuts hard, which I think is necessary. But I, I think maybe it sucks that I had to do all of those side quests to get the special Tifa scene because it, they weren't always that good. Except for you do get the option to play darts at the bar, and that's pretty Hell, good. I enjoyed yeah. that. <laughs> I really enjoyed that as well. That, I think kind of that mini game stuff, put that in there. I love that kind of stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but how did how did you feel about this whole chapter in general? Um Okay. I actually enjoyed the side quest stuff because, you know, uh, you know Tifa, right? Like you kind of know who she is yeah. as a character, but I didn't. It, it kind of like introduced me to her in a way that was like, okay, I'm getting to know this character through these side quest things. And I think it's super important that she came along. If she didn't come along, I would hate this. Yeah. Um, and I like that, you know, they're like, okay, you had your time with Barrett. You know, it's obvious that these three characters are going to come together. Now let's get into her and, um, you know, your pre past relationship with her and learning about that. And I think that's why it made it a much more engaging experience for me where I'm like, Oh, I've hit the game wall, but I'm still getting information that I I think is interesting or important. Um, I, you know, they made me backtrack into the same location twice, and for that, I'm like, well, <laughs> no, thank you, but okay, I get it. It is a video game that's sixty dollars still and like thirty yeah. plus hours, so I totally understand where you're coming from. So, mm-hmm. um, overall, I I liked it. Um, I think the I think Cloud as a character sort of comes through in this and you get that satisfaction of being like, okay, I see where this is going. He's going to, you like Avalanche, don't you, Cloud? <laughs> you know, it's I like that. It's fun. Um, and then the like insane weird neighbor thing adds a lot of mystery of like, I don't really remember anything about that, but it was kind of weird and uh, 
interesting and then oh yeah yeah getting uh tifa's uh, uh telling her what kind of outfit to pick out what outfit did you tell her to do I I didn't know what the choices were going to be. I thought there would be more dialogue options, so I just told her that if we go out on the town, she should wear something sporty, because I was like, that seems to fit you, and then she was How like, that's you... basically what I'm wearing now. Yeah, that's what I thought, or I'm like, I'm sh- if I pick this, she's going to say, like, that's what I'm wearing now. I picked well, something exotic. Okay, see, that's and that's my problem with it, where your options were sporty, <laughs> exotic, and mature. And I was right. like, these are bad descriptors. I don't like any of these. Yeah, because I asked, because again, uh, my significant other was playing with me, and I'm like, what would you want to be told? Because I don't like any of these. <laughs> and she said, well, something formal would infer that what she's wearing right now isn't formal enough. And that you'd mm. like to see her in something more formal. Something sporty is what she's already wearing. So something exotic, I guess. But we are both very unsure. I hope this isn't some sort of relationship point BS where it's like, okay, you didn't get enough points with Tifa. So now you don't get the special scene. Like, I hate that idea. Uh, because I doubt the it will be. Are so narrow. But maybe it'll just affect some sort of costume option in the future. Um, which, maybe uh, you know. I've heard there's some interesting costumes with Cloud. I've been spoiled. Uh, there, yeah, there, there may. I'm very curious to see how that comes up later yeah. on. But we'll we'll worry about that when it comes up. I'm sure <laughs> we'll have thoughts on that. Yeah, it'll, I'm super interested to see how that plays out. Um, but yeah, I, I I I like all that. I think it's all um like I I definitely could see from your point of view how if you didn't know these characters, it would maybe be more interesting to spend time with them and kind of unravel the relationship that's already there. Um. I I think personally I was ready to kind of get back into the the mix of it, but again, oh yeah, I, like don't get said, me wrong. I knew I knew these characters already, so don't get me wrong. Throw me right back into eco terrorism, like <laughs> yes, let's blow please. up some more reactors. But hey, take a break. Um, so Jesse, one of the other characters, as uh, for chapter four here, pretty much just asks you, hey, like, can we do a quick side mission thing? And um, what she wants to do is get more. Mako, or sorry, not Mako. My bad. Uh, a, different a different explosive agent. Yeah. yeah, yeah. To to blow up the, for the next reactor. Um, and what happens is this might be one of my favorite chapters. <laughs> it's it's so fucking good. Everything about this chapter is brand new. There's virtually nothing in here that was in the original one. Um, the motorcycle minigame type stuff is, so that's that's a good throwback, but it's not like this scene doesn't happen or anything like that. Yeah, so but, you gotta, you, you, it was just supposed to be you and Jesse, but Biggs and, oh my god, what's the other guy's name? Wedge. Wedge show up, and they're like, oh, are you visiting your parents? And Jesse's like, <laughs> <laughs> tell me what you think about Jesse real quick. I want to know, because I felt very lukewarm on her i'm like i really like her and then other times like i hate her so much like she's so Um, annoying i was pretty lukewarm on her up until chapter four i really like her after chapter four i think they do a pretty good job of expanding her character and like laying bare her motivation and and history and and things like that um and i just think she's really fun she's like a really fun and uh, joyously is the wrong word but She's a very tongue-in-cheek type character. Yeah. Um, she's incredibly thirsty for Cloud. She's Maybe. like Tifa without <laughs> all the emotions. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which sounds reductive and shitty, but it's... But I, I, I like Jessie. She's very happy-go-lucky and 
is a kind of a breath of fresh air in the midst of this, you know, other group of people who are all extremely stern and serious. Yeah, for um, sure. Um, I really like. So you you you're doing your motorcycle thing, and you know you're just defeating regular old like in Shinra guards, and then this sociopath shows up. This beautiful, beautiful. I don't know if he is a soldier or an ex soldier, but he he's definitely something. was in the soldier program. I it, yeah. I get the impression he's not anymore, but I can't be sure. But man, he is absolutely like Rose shows up, and he is peak anime top tier 100% anime runs in his blood this man makes his motorcycles do flips from standing still in a way that is physically impossible in multiple different ways and it's so fucking good it i i this is when i actually fell in love with the game like i'm like this is amazing i love this so much sarah, sarah my significant said the exact same thing she's like this is this is perfect. This is this is amazing. <laughs> and so you fight with him on the motorcycle for a while. And he just, he has this laugh that is just like no other characters are doing these laughs. So it fits together. So <laughs> if everyone else was doing these kind of like laughs and these silly Kingdom Hearts sounding one-liners, like I wouldn't be phased at all. But because he's the only one doing it, <laughs> it's so amazing. He's like, ah! <laughs> my heart's engine revs for you and it's just like what are you doing dude are you with the wrong video game <laughs> i love him he's so fucking good he's a it's... funny character but everyone has to take him seriously because he's sort of a danger but not really but you know he's perceived to be a very large danger yeah, um, I mean, he shoots lightning out at you. He's also got a sword. You you understand. Look, if anybody rides up next to me while I'm on a motorcycle and starts <laughs> swinging a sword at me, I'm going to assume they're a danger. <laughs> Laughing psychotically. Yeah, that's yeah. gonna be that's gonna be problematic for me. <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, I needed a I needed a long no, time I, to talk about Roach. Roach. I get a little it. Bit. Um, he's, he's great. I absolutely love him. Yeah, so I like this chapter. This chapter is. I'm looking at what happens in this chapter. Chapter four is a good fucking chapter, man. Yeah, tell me a little bit more about how good it is and why. Uh, <laughs> Did I fucking <laughs> forgot, dude? After Roche, I had like a, I had like an aneurysm and I couldn't focus for the next hour. I was uh, fucking out of there. It's so good. So after that, you um, this is the scene where you kind of get to Jesse's house where her mom made her famous pizza for everybody, um, except for you because you are not supposed to you know be there to get pizza you are there to sneak into her house and steal her dad's Damn, old Shinra ID. Turn. yeah it, it goes very quickly from uh roche laughing maniacally while making his motorcycle flip and shoot lightning at you um to you sneaking into jesse's house to steal her dad's old id because he doesn't need it anymore because he is in a coma which you find out is because he was overworked and passed out next to like a mako storage facility and essentially was like heavily irradiated for a few hours before people found him and just never woke up again um and yeah like, <laughs> that shit's really heavy um in this you also get a lot of good backstory here and like how jesse was initially like her dreams were to be an actress and that all kind of got derailed, and as such, she, you know, got derailed by what happened with her dad, and you very clearly draw the line between, like, oh, this is what happened, and this is why she is, like, radicalized, this is why she's doing what she's doing, and I love that building, because you just, 
didn't get any of that in the original at all, because, again, these characters weren't characters, really, in the original. And I think they do a really, really good job, again, of, like, they do a good job of both showing, hey, here is why these characters, like, here is the level of malice to which this company would, you know, treat its employees. But also, this all happens in, like, basically suburbia you are in essentially a suburb with quiet streets and nice houses and everybody seems happy because that's just what life is like on the upper plates which also it's fucking cool that midgar is just a plated city that just has these eight upper plates where all the rich people live and then everybody else lives below it and they get some sunlight but also there's just sun lamps providing the light uh, but yeah, they 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 do a lot of I think good good character building in the scene before you eventually go off to steal the rest of the blasting agent, um, which again just becomes an incredible scene because your whole job is like, hey, distract you know Shinra while Jesse goes in to steal it. And what happens is you get a really cool fight with like slowly escalating enemies. You get to use your first summon during this fight, which mm. is cool because then there's a giant demon flying around. And then Roche fucking comes back and on his goddamn motorcycle out of nowhere. And he's like, and he's I like, challenge you to a duel. <laughs> he literally does. <laughs> like, what like are 18 you dudes doing with here? guns and three robots surrounding you, and he flies his motorcycle out and gets in front of everybody is like fucking nobody shooting he's mine we have to fight i love him he's clearly he's, in love with cloud in the oh best yeah, way absolutely possible. in love with cloud um and who could blame him uh, not me but it's it's such a good like i don't know it's it, just it's, action it's, packed in the yeah, best it's action packed it's a break in the tension but like there's a lot of really good story sandwiched in the middle there and it's just ah uh, roche is so good i hope he comes up a hundred more times before the end of this game is, is he new he is completely new dude i'm a hundred percent convinced that is an organization 13 member there's no way it's not <laughs> You can't convince me otherwise. That is a no Kingdom organization. Hearts Thirteen member has ever had that much energy. That's true. He does have emotion. That's a that's an organization. Thirteen member be, before he became a nobody. Or a, I could see that. Whatever. I could definitely see that. Um, yeah. Um. So, uh, then you you're leaving, yeah. and the parachute scene happens. Yeah, you um, skydive off the upper plates into the lower plates, which is which also is extremely good. Super cool, dude. And then you land with uh, Biggs. Wait, no, sorry. You land with Wedge. Wedge, yes. I always get them confused because, well, well, you Wedge, can say is, it, Wedge is big, and it's the whole like he he's a he's a living walking stereotype. So it's he, like yeah, Wedge. So is I want to call him Biggs, but Wedge is not great. I do like Wedge though. I like him. I just wish that the game liked him. Yeah, me too. Uh then you get to meet his three cats, which is fucking He does thrilling. have three cats. He's got great cats. There's a lot of, there's a lot of really good cats in this game, honestly. Yeah. They're all animated super well. I do think it's funny how you walk by like the actress's house or something like that where Jesse stays. Yeah. And it, it's not like super and then it, Wedge is like, oh no, no guys allowed in there, and then you just go right back and you're allowed <laughs> in. It's like Wedge was clearly told he's not allowed near this house full of women. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, uh, it's kind of funny, but I I quite like Wedge uh, to be honest. Even though anytime he mentions food, I kind of just go ugh. Yeah, I mean that's we get that's it. fair. Um, 
you do get also they set up again just another scene where jesse is incredibly thirsty for cloud here where she's basically like hey in order to pay you fully like you should come over later and you know we i'll make you i think she offers to like make him pizza or whatever um which is great because then you get a scene that's like either tell her like it's not happening or <laughs> don't get your hopes up. It's 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 maybe later or no, absolutely not. <laughs> it's it's great. There's that you no don't way to say a, yes. <laughs> there's no real affirmative. Well, let's. We need to move on. Shit. Got... There's another thing that happens here though, which is like you oh, then go to bed yeah. and Tifa comes into your room at like you know, you go to sleep and then Tifa comes into your room at like one in the morning, which okay, whatever. Um, and then she you know talks to you about your past and everything, and there's some good character building there, but. Not Nothing like super super important, um, except for there's you know kind of a whole subplot with Tifa, which I think is introduced by this point of her being like a little uncomfortable with what Avalanche is doing, um, just because like she thinks they're doing it for the right reasons, but she is not okay with the human cost of it, um, which I think is I want more of that perspective. I want more of that like, right. are we really doing this? Like, do the ends really justify the means? I hope they do that. Um, so you get some of that good conversation there, a little bit more of Cloud and Tifa's backstory of how they were, you know, old friends and, um, you know, Cloud joining the soldier program because he wanted to be a war hero like Sephiroth. But then, you know, talking about how by the time he got to be a soldier, the world didn't need war heroes anymore, which, again, this game touches on so many really, really great ideas that I'm like, I think they're already doing a good job with. But I'm very hopeful they'll expand it a lot more going forward in these next 20 hours. Um 20 or so hours because i think they're really good ideas but then the whole town gets attacked by a giant swarm of dementors for some reason yeah and these ones you can just cut with swords and shoot with bullets yeah they are more resistant to magic but um yeah you can do that and then when you finish the fight at seventh heaven um they all sort of disappear and then you start walking around to do your other things that you want to do and people are like they were just shooting at nothing. What yeah. were they doing? And you're like, there's what? a there's what? a weird thread where Cloud talks about people only being able to see them. He thinks if they physically touched them, but that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. Still, they physically touched who? Um, like if the Dementors physically touched somebody then they could see them right because that's what happens like when he first meets Aerith, she starts freaking out and he can't see anything and then when she gets close to him is when he can start to see them so maybe it's something to do with like oh there's something that is being passed between people when they touch each other but i don't i don't know that it's, is so weird it's huh. very weird and again i i'm thrilled for that because i have no fucking idea where that's going and i know where this game should end up so that's <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, i'm hopeful that it, by the end of this game it's just like wow they went fucking off the rails this is a totally different story now like i think that would be phenomenal um yeah. well let's um should we wrap up with the last three sort of chapters here? Yeah, last three chapters are essentially all one long mission, so we can kind of just talk about those. Um, yeah. So all, the last, large here. the the next mission, the last one we're going to talk about is to uh, blow up another reactor. But of course, this is not going to be as easy as the last one because video games. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, also, so. because you literally blew up a different reactor two days ago, so it makes sense it would be a little harder. Sure. Uh, so it starts with the same train, uh, you know, hey, we're going to take this train to this section on the plates, um, mm-hmm. and the ID scan happens, and I. this is where I'm starting to feel a little bit of, like, alright, game, you don't need to... You can just surprise me. You don't have to do this, where it's like Tifa becomes worried, where she's like, 
what if our IDs don't work and then mm-hmm. they don't work? What if yeah. this happens and then it happens? I'm like, just don't do that thing. I really, that that's one of my pet peeves. But anyways, um, again, still a really a good experience. But so we, uh, we pass through our IDs don't work and you get kicked off the train at H. I like at section H, which you need to be uh, at, uh, what is it? Like, uh, e so you get kicked off the like train that? at a different, like, Oh, E, and tunnel. you want to be at yeah. H. That's yes. right. Mm-hmm. And they have this, like, funny bit about, like, hey, that was, this is plan E. And they're like, what was plan A, B, C, and D? And they're like, it was getting off at those exits. The ones <laughs> we didn't get off on. So we had to walk the whole way back. Um, and um, they they sort of make their way back and to the reactor. Um, the only thing I really wanted to talk about here was just something visually where I'm like, I just really appreciate this. So mm-hmm. you're walking these huge monorails, right? And yeah. um, you kind of are switching between the left and the right track a lot just to kind of like, you know, bob and weave through the sections and get to where you need to go. The game just takes whatever trail you're on and then spawns a moving train on the other side. <laughs> and it's just something where I'm like, oh, man, that's just so smart where it's like, you know, you don't have to be worried. Like they didn't have to cut off the train because it's like, hey, we don't want to get hit by a train. They're just design wise so smart to be like, so they don't get hit by a fucking train. Let's just spawn <laughs> one. So you think about it all the time, but it never really happens. And it's just yeah. such a smart way to keep you in the world and make the world feel alive without always making sure that you're in danger um, and making just certain things like circumstantial and stuff. Absolutely. Like that. I mean, so, I, don't, I don't know about you, but like I knew that was going on the whole time and I still definitely sprinted for like the median. As soon as I heard a train coming, like, Oh God, <laughs> I don't want to get in. it. <laughs> that would be an amazing, like, like the whole party just ragdoll deaths forward from being hit by a train. <laughs> um, <laughs> So this next chapter, do you have anything else to say about this? Not really. I think they do a they do a pretty good job here. One of the one of the my favorite parts, and also one of the sometimes frustrating parts of um, older Final Fantasies, is not knowing whether or not like you know a, a path forks and you can go one of either direction, and you're not knowing which one is the correct direction to go. Largely because you want to go the other direction because that's where all the good loot is. Um, so they do a really good job of if you are not going the correct direction, the characters oh, you're yeah. with will start to say things like, hey, I think Barrett's the other way. Or like, oh, what? Did you see something over there? Um, so you know immediately like, okay, cool. This is the direction I want to explore fully. And they have you know pretty good invisible walls that will just turn you back and then you know give some explanation for why you have to turn around. And I really appreciate stuff like that because it lets me know like, hey – there is still a reason to like explore, but if you're getting turned around, if the characters aren't saying something, you're going the right way. So you're good to go. Don't even worry about it. The only um. thing I did I really didn't enjoy is this next scene here. With okay. with with that in regards, with that in mind. So you're on these rafters, right? And the the thing kind of feels like a a they want it to feel a bit like a puzzle, I feel like, because they keep mentioning yeah. like like hey we got to make sure we're you know we know where we are mm-hmm. but there's like a materia on the other side of one of these rafters that you try and get but then the like the floorboards break underneath it and you got to back off which by the way this whole thing of like being under a plate and knowing that a, a whole village underneath you is your death scary as shit i hate it yeah. so much yeah 
Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, but um, anyways, in regards to what you're saying, when you're going towards that materia, they're like, hey, Biggs is waiting for us. Why are you doing this? And you're like, the fucking, the materia, dude. Like, I, <laughs> I want this. So they keep saying those kind of things. We're like, uh, are you sure we're going the right way? Or aren't we backtracking? I'm like, no, I want to get this thing. And um, then when you finally get on the platform that you need to leave, they're like, hey, wasn't there a material you were scouting out? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I got it. Why is this such a big deal? The game like clearly tells you, hey, it's over here. And then they need to mention it so many times, but also guilt me for going for it. I was, Well, okay. It, it they're both good. Off. So <laughs> I, I think they... They kind of do this in two ways, right? Because on the one hand, like when you're going for that material that you were trying to cross to, it is like a little bit of a pain and they, they do kind of discourage you. And I think part of the reason they discourage you is because there's like a specific set of things you need to do in order to get there. So if you can't get there yet, the game doesn't want you to like waste your time trying to find it because you haven't hit a switch later in the level. Yeah, but, but I agree that sometimes that one is on not the, good. Even when it's on the right track, they were still saying those kind of things where they're like... Like, why are what, we need to get to Biggs? Like, why are we taking a detour or something like that? And I'm like, because I want to. <laughs> so that sucks. But then there's also the summon materia in this area that you can find. Um, that's like How kind of do behind you get a, that. So there's a different. That one is also just you flip three things and then there's a different elevator that takes you up and you can like walk through uh, and then there's like a little challenge. I but that one it. does the opposite of this <clears throat> because going there is not like. They're going, oh, hey, what are you doing? But it is, like, you know, very clearly Barrett's like, oh, what, we doing some treasure? Like, are we going on a treasure hunt? Oh, yeah, like, this is going to be totally worth it. <laughs> and very much in a way that's like, hell, yeah, I really like that they're reinforcing the idea of knowing exactly what I'm going for. Um, but, yeah, other times, like, I, I agree, you, you do get a lot of a guilt trip for going for that one material that feels a little out of place. Um, but... I still appreciate it because it let me know that I was doing the correct thing by going a different direction. Also, by this chapter and the chapter four, they continue to mention where Biggs is and where he should be at this time. Did you think he was dead? I thought they were going to do something with it that's like, oh, this is going to be bad for Biggs. But nah, he's just like, he's fine. <laughs> and he's okay. Totally but they mentioned him so many times where they're like, nah, Biggs <laughs> should be there. And uh, I don't know, you know. He's going to be so worried about us. I wish we could call him. It's like, oh, okay, what are y'all doing? <laughs> are, are you worried about Biggs? But he's all right. I mean, I guess that's just kind of like you never know what's happening kind of thing. But narratively, it was a little like, huh? <laughs> what's, yeah. what's going on with things? Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, I agree. There's, there's not much more to say. I enjoyed that whole area. I thought it, it just like visually it looked really cool. I thought yes. kind of it was somewhat uninteresting narratively and to go through. Uh, Barrett has a whole fear of heights thing that goes on, and that's, you know, fine, whatever. Uh, a little bit, little bit funny. No fear. Um, no fear. No fear. No fear. Little fear. <laughs> 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 it's good um but chapter seven is kind of where things pop off a little bit more which is when you actually get into reactor five uh, and i fucking oh i love this so much because you get there and you there's like no enemies and it's like very clear that things aren't going the way they're supposed to because there's constantly like huh shouldn't there be more soldiers here I'm like yeah. oh they probably have them distracted <laughs> nah dog no nah, they they don't fucking have them distracted. we're doing so good this time they're scared <laughs> of us no um, barrett no 
but you plant uh, you plant the bomb, and this one you don't have to set a timer for, which is good. But also, I liked being like given the option to be brave with the previous timer. Um, yeah. But you know, as you are leaving, the ladder that you're supposed to take like goes up the second you get to it, and kind of like extends upwards out of your reach, which is. <laughs> kind of like a little gimmicky and funny and slapstick and i like it and then you get like five <laughs> drones that come out and they all like shoot lasers at each other and expand to a giant fucking hologram of heidegger who's like president shinra's security officer and this giant hologram explains how you've walked into their trap and you're being recorded and that they're going to kill you with this giant robot but it's just so fucking over-the-top futuristic, like, literal flying hologram that I think at one point somebody tries to shoot. It's it's so fucking good. I, yeah. they, I they, love these so much. They're like, look at what will destroy you soon! And then it's the air blaster, and then Barrett shoots at the hologram. <laughs> it's so perfect. Yeah, I... I they, they they don't take it, like, the reason it works is because they don't take it too seriously, right? Like, Heidegger is like, and it will destroy you soon! And then off camera, you hear somebody be like, sir, it's only at 60% power right now. <laughs> He's like, I'm recording right now! <laughs> yeah, this, uh, Heidegger is like, I think Heidegger and Roche have, Roche have a lot in common where they're like, very peak anime in a fun way, where mm-hmm. like, they're not the characters that you care about and you're rooting for, so like, let's make them funny. Like, let's make them fun. And I really like that idea of like, if you don't care about them, just fuck with them and, or just make them insanely scary. But Heidegger is not really supposed to be scary. I think he's, he's a little scary, but I think he's mostly supposed to hide behind his machines and his troops. And I think Mm -hmm. it really worked in that, in that sense. And we get a bunch of scenes before this of like, you know, him watching them on security cameras and stuff like that. But this is really where, where his whole character, uh, shows off so you go after that you decide you're like well shit but we can kill the we can kill him we can kill the air blaster that's fine uh we can do it we believe in it air buster sorry so you go through these um these chambers of like where they're sending different pieces to the air buster and then you kill all the guards inside and then you decide which one which things you don't want the Airbuster to have. And this felt weird. I feel like it really killed a lot of the tension. Not tension, but the, like, action that was going mm-hmm. on before it. And I wasn't really into this one. How did you feel about it? I I liked it um, because I thought it was really interesting uh, to kind of like weigh the different options of like, okay, which of these things are important for me to take down versus which of them are not to make this boss battle like easy to overcome. Um, I thought that was really interesting. I do think the kind of the way it's all presented is maybe drawn out a little bit too long. Yeah. You're basically just, you know, running up a set of stairs into a room that looks identical with the same group of enemies and then hunting around. I don't like that they made you physically look for key cards because that took a long time and was not interesting. Um, right. And and also you were you just killed like 12 guards. They should all have key cards, you know? <laughs> you it look I, I get it. Don't get fucking it. worry, Duncan. I get it. There's only the, one that works. The only thing that I don't understand is that it it eats the key card like a mach- like like that's a key card should not be a one use thing. By nope, the way, this one is. 
You're basically putting tickets into a machine to get like a ring pop at the end or something. It makes no sense. I I don't know. I couldn't stand behind this. And then there's a mini game at the end of it where to get the loot of the stuff that you um that you took away from the Airbuster, you have to like synchronize lever pushes and pulls with Tifa, and it's just. I don't know. It, there is it, a lot of build up to this, and I'm like, this is just. I wish you would have done this before, but I understand why you couldn't have. Yeah, and all of this, like the choosing different options and the the especially the lever mini game, is kind of like paying homage to the original because all of that was in the original game. I see. Um, and the the fucking lever shit still sucked back then just like it sucks now <laughs> it's just not good it, it's not fun um but i still got a lot out of it just for you know nostalgia sake of being like okay i'm glad they kept this shitty bad mini game that doesn't matter i did um, have a laugh from the like quips of back and forth and stuff like that um yeah of, of, of during that mini game and stuff like that but um overall i'm like okay this is taking a little bit too long but maybe it is because i played chapter five through seven in one setting maybe that i was a little tired yeah i think that would be fair um but all of this leads up to the fight that you are like you know ready for and, and roaring to where you're like hey we're going to you know destroy the airbuster this huge you know piece of equipment that shinra has invested a lot of money into and we're going to do it live on video so everybody can tell that like we're better than Shinra, and maybe we can, like, win back a little bit of the populace and show them that Avalanche is, like, you know, strong and good. Um, and it leads to this, like, enormous robot that is, like, a, I think a three-stage boss fight um, yeah. that is also extremely good because, again, you have the president of Shinra who shows up right beforehand who is, like, also a giant flying hologram. <laughs> and, like, him and Heidegger are just sort of flying around the stage as you're fighting this giant airbus, which is extremely you. good. And just, like, just monologue, like, <laughs> megacorp evil guy monologuing. And it's perfect. The other thing I, I like is that they were like, ha, huh, um, you're playing right into our fucking traps. You have no power here. You, you are causing a war that we want. And, you know, they're like, we've got the bomb all set up and, you know, you've got the remote and you like try and click the remote and nothing happens. And they kind of revealed that, hey, um, nah, we're you've got nothing on us right now, um, yeah. which which is like, you know, I knew this was happening because of the scenes that they were showing me. But it's still like I'm like, oh, wow, they know this early. Awesome. This is going to be a interesting plot. Um, so. I don't know. It, it it worked really well for me for that. Um, the boss itself was fine. It was fun, but I died a lot in the oh, way of no. like my characters died, and I just did the phoenix down thing. I I'm wondering how you're feeling about this because I think overall mechanically, especially with like hack and slash games or action games, you're a little bit better than me at this kind of stuff. Um, I think years of dark souls have trained you well and uh, just like they... dodging and holding the block button but like <laughs> do you feel a sense of like being like overwhelmed by some of these abilities where it's like i i wish i could take the time to process and understand like what the ab next ability is but it just it's just too much shit going on so i'm just going to just hack and then potion and cure and phoenix down and just push my way through this and not really get the mechanical satisfaction out of it 
Um, I, I definitely felt a little bit overwhelmed just in not knowing what the attacks did, at least for, you know, the first time. Um, and I think mostly that, uh, that kind of comes into play whenever there's an attack that I wasn't prepared for that has some sort of a status element associated with it. Um, there were a lot of, like, stuns in this fight where your character just wouldn't be able to move for a few seconds. And that's really jarring because I, like, spend a long time trying to get them, like, out of that when in reality you should just switch to a different character to control immediately. Right. Um, and that that I find a little overwhelming, but I think the more I play the game, the better I've gotten at, like, switching between the characters uh, that I'm using to make sure that they are kind of doing the correct thing, like making sure that I get Barrett in kind of an area where he's a little bit safer but can still be dishing out damage um, because I have the majority of my offensive spells on him, and making sure that, like, I'm switching between Cloud and Tifa a decent amount that, so they're both getting ATB, uh, and, and I think... Just having that spread and knowing when to, like, move the characters away and when to, like, invest in the different, like, spells versus the different abilities is kind of a a balance that I'm learning to strike more throughout this fight. This is definitely one, like, this is definitely the hardest boss fight that we have had to date. Um, and it's definitely the one that, like, required, I think, a lot of focus and a lot of uh, attention to do well on. Um, also, it definitely required you having at least two Thunder Materia equipped, and it helped if Barrett had one of them slotted as just an elemental addition to his attack, like I yeah. did, which was just, like, stupidly strong comparatively. Um, but, I, you know, I felt a little overwhelmed, but generally I I just enjoyed this fight quite a bit. I thought it was well done. I thought it was, like, really, really over-the-top and high energy, um, and I, you know, I had a little bit of trouble with it. Like, it, it was a little bit of a struggle, but I didn't, you know, I never felt like I was in danger of losing. I just felt like I had to really focus in in order to do well with it. Yeah, me either. Me either. Just cut that whole other part out. We don't... <laughs> me, it was actually pretty easy. I just wanted to see where you were at, but no, I lied I, I so you felt it. more comfortable. I, I have heard a lot of people say that, like, uh, the Airbuster is kind of a boss fight that, like, hey, do you know what you're doing? And then the boss fights in combat are going to scale up in difficulty from here because they were pretty, like stagnant up until this point um and kind of like hey maybe learn to interact with everything a little better learn like how to build your characters in a way that you're comfortable with make sure that you're like using the correct materia things like that um okay I'm, I'm very excited to to kind of see how that all plays out i really enjoyed this fight though i thought it was like bombastic and over the top and exciting um and you know at the end of this fight the airbuster blows up and exploding the bridge that you're on uh, and Barrett and Tifa are safely on one side, and Cloud is hanging on by, like, you know, a half-broken piece of rebar on the other side of the bridge. And, you know, Barrett runs with Tifa and tells Cloud that he was wrong about him and that he's actually pretty good. And then Cloud presumably drops to his death, which, you know, obviously, no. But it makes sense that that's what everyone would believe, um, where he then crashes into a church that begins the the very famous scene that starts Chapter 8, which we're not going to talk about at this point. Yeah, also... Cloud has a flashback of t- or two of Tifa in a fucking cowboy outfit holding a <laughs> giant sword saying that she doesn't care about Avalanche and she doesn't care about anything and then he snaps out of the flashback which I'm sure you know about That part that part was in the original game I do remember sort of how that all plays out yeah What the fuck for me I'm extremely <laughs> confused um but I'm excited to understand what that is um so yeah, um, well, that's pretty much chapter one through seven there. Um, I think I wanted to talk about like 
couple other things that will put yeah. us about at like an hour and 40 or something like that. Cool. Um, I want to know... You know what I want you to tell me? I, I want to know what you want me to tell you. I want you to tell me to ask me what kind of foreshadowing I had. Because I want to talk about it. <laughs> Go for it. Talk about what you think is kind of being set up here in this game. Okay. The thing is, is like, I just don't know. And the, Damn, dude. What I, radio. Want, what I want, what I really want to happen is... It's obvious that, like, they're going to change the world by the end of it. But I really want them to change the world in a way that takes a lot away in an interesting way other than just being like, we must restart as naturalists. I want them to sort of, like, work with that in a different way or, like, maybe make a discovery about how they're using the power and using it in a different way that makes more sense. Um, I I just like this idea of like, yeah, we can use the Earth's power, but using it in a more sensible, interest not interest, but like a more researched way, other than just brute like harvesting. Um, mm-hmm. I'm more I'm really interested in their core message behind that. Um, as far as the characters go, I know Aerith is too like weird mysterious bubbly not to like matter for the very end also i know the spoiler that's associated with her of like you know her fate i guess you can say um Mm. but i don't understand its importance so that's helpful uh but it's just she's just too important not to um but i'm really curious what role she plays and i don't know that's that's kind of my general feeling of being like this is where I'm at and where I'm going. Do you have any questions for me of like what you want to know about what I think? Might I mean, I I am curious a little bit about what you think is going on with Cloud's like disassociation kind of and his like visions of Sephiroth and his visions of Tifa in a cowboy the, outfit. The Sephiroth and Tifa stuff, I know, I I, I don't have anything for you. You I don't, don't even I, have. A, okay, I, that, I don't that's even, fair. I barely know who Sephiroth is, other than like he was top top tier big sword shit Uh, he was a big war hero which i guess i'm pretty sure is correct i'm pretty sure there was like a big war that was part of the previous story but i don't fucking remember it man like so um the one thing with cloud i'm i'm feeling is very like okay so the role of soldier is something that they hint and talk about but they never like directly address what it means to be a soldier and i Mm -hmm. think a lot of that is having to do with you know there must be some sort of like, hey, here is a chemical or here is something that makes you a super soldier. Um, and it's clearly not interacting with materia because it seems like everyone no, can. Yeah. Um, and I think they do they do address that a little bit, even in the seven chapters we played. Um, just when like President Shinra and Barrett look into Cloud's eyes and can tell he's a soldier and I think President Shinra says something about like, I look the one who is bathed in the bath of Mako or something like that. Which, right. Yeah, you know, um, alludes to that there is some sort of a chemical thing going on. Also, he falls from like an incomprehensible height and doesn't die. So yeah, that's pretty insane. Um, also, one of the soldiers can jump off mo- motorcycles, and do cool <laughs> flips and shit. And the, there's nothing natural about that. That's that's some, extremely that's some canon too. Um, yeah, so I don't know. It it it, it must be chemical infused, but his like pure. 
I don't know. There's just, I don't know. That one's I, tough to tell. I am just so, so curious what they're going to do with this game, right? Because, again, a lot of these big questions that we are really concerned about, like, continue throughout the game. Like, in the original yeah. Final Fantasy VII, again, Midgar was, like, the first between five and eight hours of the game or so. And, like, then it opened up and a lot what of the stuff f- happens. Wait. And, like... Wait. The whole story doesn't take place in this big city? Nah, dog. After... After, like, the Midgar section of Final Fantasy VIII, like, it's not like, oh, Mid- you, like, will never see it again, but, like, then there's a world map, <laughs> and you go to other places. Midgar isn't the world map. Midgar is not, I mean, in this particular remake, I think it is, I don't think they do anything outside of Midgar, I don't know, but, like, again, no, it's like a 40-hour game, and Midgar is, like, five to eight hours of it. What? That's yeah. insane, dude. That's crazy. So That's I'm, insane. I am very, very, Where very else do you curious. Go? What does this world outside of Midgar look like, dude? What the fuck? <laughs> what? It's, it's a big world, man. What? I thought this whole story would be contained in this, like, crazy city that's under and over. And, okay. No, there's, like, two continents. Okay, the one thing I wanted to talk about, though, is the suns. What the a, suns. The the light suns. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep. The sun lamps. That is such a fucked idea that I'm like, that makes me so uncomfortable. Or it's like, yeah, the sun is just a big lamp up here. And like, I don't know. I feel like people would know about it, but. I mean, and they do. I think it's. just to it? I, I'm also, I'm really curious how they reconcile that, right? Because on the one hand, it's fucked up. But on the other hand, when you're walking around the slums in the daytime, you can look in between the plates and see sunlight coming down from the actual sky. So, like, clearly, that's not the only sun they have. Or right. maybe it is, and I'm just, like, misreading or misremembering no, I it. Think, I don't I know. I think you're right on that. But also, their whole, like, they have, like, a whole ethical dilemma of being like, wait, we got to turn these three big lamps off to make a, a pulley move. And they're like, oh, this is going to hurt me a lot. And I'm like, Okay, first off, they can just turn it right back on. Yeah. Second off, you have killed so many. (laughs) And I mean, Barrett does make that point, right? He's like, well, you know, they're all going off anyway when we blow up the reactor. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. And I think (laughs) it's been a long time because this is like that is different and materially very different from the original one because I think the like under the plates in the slums, I think it's just always basically nighttime previously i think like in final uh, fantasy 7 it's like hey you are like you don't get sunlight down here like there you can maybe see it off in the distance but at least in the game it's always portrayed as nighttime um which is probably just technical limitations and i think they just decided to lean into that the other way um, but i do think it is kind of cool that they were like hey here's the sun that you can see this time now um and that's pretty cool so i i, I don't know i I really like what they've done with the city in the way that they've made it feel more alive. I'm very, very curious to see kind of more of Midgar and what they do with it and kind of how things progress in the future. Yeah. Do you think I, other RP like action RPG games like like Nier and, you know, some of the the, the bangers that Squeenix has been doing of like it really helped FF seven sort of shape itself? Yeah, I think I think so. I think it's hard not to look at games like that that are like, you know, these action games that have RPG elements and are very narratively driven yeah. and not 
steal a little bit. For instance, the kid that gives you the materia that oh, allows you to like search enemies. That's that a dude's near just character. from near armor. <laughs> yeah, that's just a near character. That is a near character tight through and through. That's a robot. That's that's a machine. That is a machine. That's where Adam went. That's exactly where Adam went. That is Adam, actually. I'm ninety nine percent sure that's Adam. Um, maybe Eve. I don't know. I can never tell them apart. Oh God, no. That's yeah. It's it. It would be impossible for them not to have looked at things like that and said, you know, some of this worked really well. We should definitely try to ape some of that. And I think you yeah. know, to to Final Fantasy VII's advantage. Um, I I'm curious a little bit. Um, Chadley. first off on the on the gameplay side, do you find yourself sticking to one of the three characters that you have in your party at any given time? Or do you find yourself yeah. switching between them pretty frequently? Okay, here's that's a good question, dude. I love here's I like playing as Cloud quite a bit because mm-hmm. his kit's just a lot of fun. But then every time I see a ranged enemy, I'm like, yes, it's time to play Barrett. Like I <laughs> I really like Barrett's kit just because it's not very complex, but it is a lot of fun. Um, yeah, just because it feels really good because it's like, hey, big machine gun, fun. Um, and then sometimes I'm like, oh, I haven't played as Tifa in a while. I should play as Tifa. And then I switch to her and I punch things and put people in staggered and stuff like that. And, I, and I feel good. like every I love time mechanic, I play way, Tifa, yeah, the like build up to a stagger and then do a bunch of damage mechanic. Yeah, I like that a lot. I feel, that feels really good. Um, I, I also tend toward Cloud and Barrett, but then every time I play Tifa, I'm like, her, her moveset's really fucking good. And it feels good and cool to like power up and then roll out of the way and get huge long combos and then do these like explosive finishing moves and i'm starting to think i should just play as her more because cloud i really like his combo and his whole kit as well but it's very much like it's a lot more straightforward i feel like and i feel like tifa's you could maybe dig in there and do a lot more and also like one of her abilities that you get on the most recent pair of gloves that you find allows you to basically animation cancel out of an attack into a super attack which is fucking wild to think about how much more complicated it could be to play as her but yeah i i can't you set certain characters as the party leader so you always start as them yeah you, okay, you can cool. do that in the options menu all right i'm gonna try that with tifa in the future just to see how yeah. i feel about it if i ever freaking play her again oh my god <laughs> i don't know what also happens. uh quick pro tip for people out there because i found this out wait, the game wait, does not make wait, it clear at all wait we need to play the song the pro tip song. Alex Gaming's Corner. This is Alex Gaming Corner. 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 Thank corner. you. Thank you. Um, I found this out actually via a Twitter thread for people who were sharing little things. If you are just trying to like potion up after battle or in between battles, you can hold L1 yep. and queue up a bunch of different item uses, which is super helpful. Um, and if you are trying to set people's materia, you can hit R1 and you can set everyone's materia at the same time instead of like switching between the different characters. Um, uh... They do a lot of like weird quality of life stuff. Also, if you didn't know, and I think I've told everyone who's played this, but for people listening, if you if you don't know, in the options menu in the settings, you can change how far back the camera is, and you're just gonna want to crank that puppy as far back as it can go because <laughs> yeah. it's a much better experience. Honestly, even at three, it's still a little too close. Yep, yep, but it is at least more palatable. Yeah. Um, uh, all right, I think that is it. I I don't think we can. I don't think we can go any more with this. Um, Thank you so much for listening all the way up to this point. If you have questions about previous Final Fantasy chapters or future ones, um, careful with the future ones with the plot. We'll still take them. I'll make Alex manage it. Um, Yeah, we're probably going to do 
uh, without knowing the game, it's hard to say. We're going to do either one or two more episodes of this. We'll just see kind of, you know, yeah. how the game takes us and whether or not there's enough to talk about after the next 10 hours or so. So feel free to send questions to thoughtsfromplayer1 at gmail.com. If you have any other questions for us about previous or future chapters, you can also make game suggestions, etc. on there. Or, you know, just reach out to us to say, hey, how's it going? We'll talk to you. Uh, Twitter as thoughts from P1. We post our episodes there so you can keep an eye on those as well as whenever we decide to tweet for, you know, fun stuff or make retweets and talk to people. Um, we have a Facebook that we barely ever use, but you can check that <laughs> you can out if you want. Uh, that one's fun. Uh, and that's about it. We also have a YouTube channel. We're working. I know we've been saying it a lot, but we're working on um, a We Must Build a series where we kind of b- play building games like you know uh city skylines and we mm-hmm. must build a zoo or that city skylines is what we're going to work towards uh, we also have a twitch channel a twitch channel that we're going to try and stream our process on those uh fun games it's something goofy we're doing um yeah. also feel free to you know join this discord that i've made for it uh <laughs> you guys are really sleeping on it right now but i promise it's gonna <laughs> pop off um i'll link it again in there in case you would like to join it um we're just gonna use it to like discuss games or so you can post suggestions or i kind of want to make a platform for people to talk about games and stuff like that i feel like i want to if you want to be part of the ground front i feel like joining a lot of discords you're like oh cool um there's like a thousand people here and I don't want to post anything. I'm okay. That's fine. Uh, if you want to be at the forefront of one of those, come join us um, and we'll talk about games and stuff. So that's about it. That's about it. That's, I think, I think that's pretty much it. Do you um, have a, a ecology or, you know, oh uh, God, um, some sort of greeting card? I am looking for a greeting card that is appropriate I got. I don't know if this one's any good, but it's a picture of two clouds pointing at a group of people, and it says, "Look, <laughs> that one's shaped like an idiot," which is, you know, needlessly mean. But <laughs> is that is that one good? Wait, you're talking about the anime character cloud, right? The, yes, I mean, the final absolutely. Fake, uh, it's two clouds pointing their big buster swords at each other, and they're saying, "Look, it's that one looks like an idiot," and then the other one goes, "What? I can't hear you because the swords are so long." Oh, yep, that's funny. That's good. That's better. (laughs) That's better. That's actually quite good. That's our greeting card. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening.